endlessly entertaining to me how people grab onto things and turn them inside out and endlessly scrutinize them and make them mean what they want to make them mean. I think it's funny, you know. And it's funny to, to see, it's funny to hear how people analyze the work I do from my songs to my videos and say, well, in a way it's great that they derive their own meanings from it, but I sometimes laugh and say, I never thought that for a second, you know, but I like it. It's good. That's what it's all about. It's about making people think. Hi, I'm Madonna. I'm your worst nightmare. To rule the world. Why don't you show them what you do, honey? You've never had more fun with anyone else. People, people, we gotta move on to the next song. Somewhere Sweet, and I'm a bitch, you know what I mean? And that's always been the way it is. I'm, I'm a human being. <laughs> I'm waiting. You're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast, your place for all things Madonna Louise, Veronica Ciccone. Hey, everybody, it's Stefan. Hey, guys, it's Tony, and I'm a witch and a love technician. Ooh, yes. Welcome, everyone, to the final episode of season two. We have talked about doing an episode dedicated entirely to erotica since we started season two. And so since... Even season one, I think. Yeah, I I think so, yeah. Uh, But since this is the final episode, we figured we better get around to it. You know, we better... Do a little I mean, erotica. Let's, do it. let's close out 2020 with some erotica. Yes. So here we are. So the topic du jour, um, obviously, is erotica. Uh, there have been countless articles and reviews about Madonna's erotica album, and we thought, what else can we say about erotica that hasn't already been said? You know, you know we already love the album and the era and that we think it's one of Madonna's finest, so... Right. And also, pretty much everyone we speak to has something good to say about erotica. Um, I, it, it is a fan favorite. And if you don't like erotica, then I really don't know what we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, erotica was a turning point in Madonna's career because it sounded completely different from anything that she'd done before. Oh, totally. Um, Rolling, yeah, Rolling Stone praised it as Madonna's concept album about love and intimacy under the shadow of AIDS, because uh, that was something that was literally a dark cloud hanging over us. There was no treatment at the time. There was no cure. People were dying, and sex was dangerous. Sex was was really scary, you know. So for Madonna to put something out that, you know, you could hear about sex you could see you know the sex book you could see you know sexual fantasies come to life and also you know the body of evidence film that came out in january but was supposed to come out actually the month of october but i guess they realized that too much much sex yeah too much sex but anyway um you know these were things that happened as a result of you know all of us being you know for lack of a better word locked down um you know, it it was just a different time. I mean, I don't know how to talk about it without mentioning, you know, the dark parts of it. But, you know, um, a lot of great art comes out of darkness, right? Totally. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think erotica looked too much like Madonna taking too many risks, you know? Like, it was too big of a risk for her to talk about this much sex, but this much sex in everyone's faces. And I think... Right. A lot of people thought that 
she had crossed a line and just went too far. But not the fans, because, uh, you know, most people that were diehard fans in 1992 had been with her since the beginning, I would say, I'd venture to say. And we we kind of knew this was coming. We just didn't know how it was going to be presented to us. You know, mm-hmm. we knew that Madonna was getting edgier with each new album and each new film that she did or, you know, stage play. And, and boom, this was beyond my expectation. Everybody always says that to me. Most people, when they reach my stature, they want to stay, play it safe and make sure that they stay in good standing with everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I, t- I take a lot of risks because that's how I want to live because I like to live dangerously. I like to take risks. I like to challenge myself and other people yeah. because that's the key to life. That's what keeps you alive and young and I think interesting. And that's what challenges your intellect to question things, to ask questions, to say why, to consider different ways to do things. Deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Oh, 
kisses sent from heaven above they get sweeter and sweeter the more that I know Instead of reviewing erotica, we thought it would be fun to share some stories, stories from people around the world who all share a common theme. They love Madonna, and erotica made an impact on their lives. Mm -hmm. So I had huge, grandiose plans to uh, share a a song that I wrote um, called Mistress Dita. It's a song about Madonna's character in the erotica era in the album and the the book it's all original lyrics it's a direct homage to the erotica and secret garden songs on the album i produced it myself which was not easy (laughs) and i didn't think i was going to have it finished in time for the episode but i worked really hard and my dream came true so go easy on the critiques i'm (laughs) self-taught on garage band it's my first song i've ever produced so the world premiere of Mistress Dita will be at the end of the episode, so make sure to stick around for that. Awesome. I actually cannot wait to hear that. But yeah, actually, if I had, I need a little bit of Shep Pettibone. That's what I need. Shep Pettibone needs to come over and help produce my song for me, because then it'd be fine. Like Then it would sound like something that Mistress Dita yeah. would be involved with. You know, Shep Pettibone is the famous co-writer, co-producer of Erotica. Prior to Erotica, he'd only worked with Madonna as a remixer until the Immaculate Collection. He remixed all of her singles, put it on the album, and then he produced his first track with Madonna. No, wait, his first track with Madonna was Vogue. I stand corrected. His second track with Madonna was Rescue Me. So they decided to work on an album, and they you know, go to his home studio and, you know, he plays some tracks from Madonna and she's not really into it, you know, and he says, well, it's not Vogue and she's, you know, not interested because she's already done Vogue. She doesn't want to do it ever again, Mm -hmm. you know, and she pretty much sat him down and told him, I'm never repeating myself. So don't give me anything that sounds like Vogue. And that's why nothing sounds like Vogue in erotica and you know there's a reference to it but nothing sounds like it you know yeah it's and a bit more rough and sh- like raw madonna famously told Shep pettibone that um if she wanted it to sound polished then she would have recorded it in la with patrick leonard Eek. so that's why erotica sounds like it was recorded in an alley in harlem on 123rd street because that's the sound that she wanted and that's what she got and Shep got to work you know he thought that that was a really cool grimy sound so he got to uh 
you know, add a lot of surface background sounds to make it sound like vinyl, even though vinyl was not popular at the time in any way, shape, or form, right? Remember, you could buy vinyl for like 25 cents. Oh, yeah, it was super cheap. I love that it's now like yeah. super expensive. I know, right? So, um, yeah, so they got to work, and, you know, Madonna didn't like any of the songs that they worked on. Um, you know, like, for example, Deeper and Deeper, they worked on it. They tried different bridges and changes. Nothing worked. She's like, no, I don't like this. I'm not doing this song. She threw it out a couple times. And then totally, uh, then she called him in the middle of the night and said, I want the middle of the song to have a, a Spanish guitar. And uh, this is Shep's quote. He didn't like the idea of taking a Philly house song and putting Lady La Bonita in the middle of it, which is pretty funny. Mm -hmm. But that's what she wanted, and that's what she got. And Deeper and Deeper is iconic wouldn't you say yeah that's i mean such a standout track mm -hmm. i remember the first time i heard that song i was actually waiting in line for a haunted mansion in philadelphia and one <laughs> of the local radio stations started playing it and i was like oh my god this is madonna and i was like losing it and nobody else was but i, I no i, I, I remember the first night that i i listened to erotica listened to the album from beginning to end me and my college friend got in a car and drove around Portland until and I think we listened to the album twice and that was a long time because that album was like 75 minutes mm. you know? but with you know the, with, with the windows down did you cruise through like the uh the shopping centers um <laughs> no so <laughs> just dark streets you know mm. so they're um yeah, and you know, you're listening to the first four songs and they're they're very different, but then all of a sudden it's just like you hit this sweet spot and you're like, Oh my god, Madonna, thank you for taking us to the dance floor as you're wont to do, you know. We have a lot of people that decided to share some some stories, some moments of erotica that affected them in their lives, or maybe some favorite songs that they loved that mean a lot to them as well. We'll let those people speak for themselves. Hey, MLVC podcast. This is Abdi Nazemian, the author of Like a Love Story. And it's my honor to share a little love for Erotica, um, an album that means an awful lot to me. It came out in my sophomore year of high school. And uh, all of those songs just bring back so many memories. Um, one that comes up right away is the fact that my mom bought me the sex book. I think not knowing what was inside um, because she probably would have been horrified. But, you know, the sex books really changed my life, not just because of the content of it, but because it made me very, very popular in high school. And I was not popular before the sex book came out. Um, and I think it really did change the trajectory of my social life as a teenager. So thank you, Erotica. Um, and, you know, we played that album nonstop, so much so that I remember in high school, uh, I did like, I always tried to get out of my athletic requirements. So I would do like yoga and ice skating. And for our ice skating class as a final routine, me and one of my best friends mashed up Erotica with a Mickey Mouse theme song and it had to be you and uh, performed it for the whole uh, ice skating class, which was very, very bold. And I guess that boldness is something that, you know, really empowered me and I think empowered a lot of people. Erotica as an album and the sex book and the whole era and the interviews Madonna gave, they really gave me language to discuss my own sexuality and to process all the emotions that came up as a closeted gay teen coming of age when HIV AIDS was at its worst. Um, and you know, it's funny, it's only as I got 
older that I came to understand how much the AIDS crisis informed the album. Um, Obviously, I understood it in some songs, like in this life, but I really think the whole album, um, despite being best remembered for its sexuality and its boldness, underneath it all, there's also a lot of loss and anger and longing and a call to start removing the stigma so that people could start celebrating sex and intimacy again. And that's one of the reasons I love the album so much. Um, I, I honestly don't think any pop star at their peak has made an album quite this bold um, since Erotica, and I kind of doubt anyone will. So I really, uh, I love the music, I love the songs, and I really, really love Madonna for taking a chance like this at the height of her popularity and using her cultural capital to to release an album that was really about celebrating sexuality, um, honoring those that were lost, and uh, standing up and, and uh, standing alongside the queer community. So, long live erotica. Hi, my name's Michael. I am a Madonna fan from Australia, originally from Australia, currently in London. Um, I've been a big Madonna fan now for the last 15 years. Um, I guess my first erotica or my erotica experience comes as my first Madonna experience when I was at the age of around four. Um, I remember seeing her live on television on an Australian musical show called Rage. I'd play all the latest music videos and they were playing Bye Bye Baby. And they played it almost, I think, on nonstop for about a week at the time. And I guess what struck me so much um, about the memory was just my mum's reaction to a woman dressed as a man appearing on TV, which was, you know, at the time, and even now it's still quite scandalous, but for a mainstream artist to do that at the time was, you know, so taboo. And I guess at the time Madonna was also an incredibly taboo artist, given what she'd put out with the sex book and, um, and the album itself and then Body of Evidence. So, Mum's reaction, I think, alone is what struck me most, I think, as being quite um, quite telling. Then going back 15 years later and then revisiting the album properly as an adult. And then, obviously, the performance and the significance that had. You know, this was a, a person doing drag king. And, you know, I think, I think that for me resonated as a child that, as an artist, she was always someone that was cheeky. So whenever she came on my screen as a kid... I always kind of found it to be quite alluring and enticing. And I guess that hasn't changed now as a massive fan, um, 30, almost 30 years on. Um, the significance of that por- the performance was just out of this world. And I think um, it was quite amazing to for her at the time to have done something that was so offbeat and so um, unusual. Like it wasn't a, for a video. This was quite an indulgent performance, but it was so powerful and, and done so, so well. 30 years later, I guess I'm now one of her, well, a big fan. I wouldn't say I'm one of her biggest fans, but, you know, me and mum both love her to bits and I so hope that she does another album in the same vein. There are so many great songs on the album and so many people with their particular favorites, but what we love about Madonna's music is that it also serves as a bookmark for experiences that, you know, were had when people first heard the album. Sean Alexander, my Madame X Beer Chat cohort, has a little something to share about his favorite track on Erotica, as does listener Donald Eli, who took his young son to see Madame X tour in Philadelphia, which was his son's first Madonna concert ever. Actually, I bet he'll never forget that. First concert ever. Mm -hmm. 
And Jennifer, one of my best friends who was there the day I first witnessed Madonna's Virgin Tour video. My favorite song off Erotica. Well, the album is consistently in my top three rotation, along with Ray of Light and Confessions. However, Erotica is different. I think it's underrated. It's a masterpiece, in my opinion. The rawness is what gets me with each listen. I checked my most played list of 2020, and Waiting is still in the top 25. And that's pretty impressive for an album that's 28 years old. So I'd have to say that Waiting is my favorite. It truly embodies what the whole record is. It's raw, passion, this real exposed Madonna like we've never seen before. I love the way she uses the spoken word very much in the same vein as Rescue Me. It strips it down and makes it truly visceral. I relate because I feel like it's so much of my dating life. We've all been there. I think the song hits on so many levels. Issues of abandonment. She sings, I knew it from the start that you would desert me. Baby, please don't hurt me. This self-fulfilling prophecy. Don't go breaking my heart like you said you would. Her pleading. In the first verse, she's aware. She's understanding that she chooses these unavailable men over and over so much that it becomes all she knows. She's exposed. The song takes you on this journey, stabbing you with the truth. It was so easy in the beginning when you didn't feel like running from your feelings like you are now. I hear that verse and I'm like, yes, I know this guy. I know these feelings. Yes, yes. I know on my part, I've become so aware of my own issues as I grow. I'd be interested to hear what Madonna says all these years later and how she relates to it. I mean, it resonated when I was 15 and it resonates now, but in such a different way. I was just saying to Stefan and my other friend how her music is so timeless and how incredible it is to hear a song like it's brand new when you're at a different place in your life so many years later. And that's what this album consistently brings. It's why I love it and it's why I love waiting. Hey, MLVC podcast. Uh, my name is Donald Ely, and I'm a 38-year-old art director, designer, and illustrator based out of Maryland, and I'm a lifelong Madonna fan. Erotica was the first album that I bought with my own money, which at the time, for me, was my weekly allowance money that I earned for doing chores around the house. The album came out when I was 10 years old, and it hit me like a truck. As a preteen, I was just starting to hit puberty when Madonna's triple threat sex-infused era started. I remember hearing Erotica the song for the first time via a cassette single that my mom bought for me at a store, uh, probably Kmart or Ames, if you remember Ames. Erotica was a new word for me. I asked my mom what it meant, and she just said, it means sex, and kind of left it at that. <laughs> she said it kind of, kind of mean. Um, though my mom had always supported my love for Madonna and her music, it was around this time when she started habitually calling her a slut, a whore, and someone who wouldn't know what love was if it hit her in the face. She also said pretty frequently that Madonna most likely had AIDS. I knew what AIDS was because of Truth or Dare and because Madonna always talked about it in her work, but I didn't know why my mom thought she might have it. Um, I just assumed because maybe she liked having sex. <laughs> Um, speaking on a more overarching level, I would say that the erotica era totally piqued my curiosity for all things sex related. 
Um, Madonna was my sex educator and my sex education came in the form of the erotica album and every interview, magazine spread and snippet I could find. My mom refused to let me get the sex book, but my Aunt Wanda's boyfriend at the time picked up a copy and promised to hold it on until uh, hold on to it until I turned 18, uh, about eight years later. Um, I finally got to see what all the fuss was about because he stuck to his word and gave it to me when I turned 18. But during those eight years, I had plenty of time to read between the lines, um, to watch the erotica era videos and try to decipher what was going on. I spent a lot of my time being on restriction or grounded, which meant I had to stay in my room with no friends over and no TV. That meant just me, my double tape deck stereo, and all of my Madonna cassettes. Um, I had all of them, uh, all the albums, all the singles, well, most of them, uh, except for Cherish, I think. Uh, the Erotica Liner Notes booklet was my favorite of all of her albums. <laughs> she was doing some kinky shit in those photos, and though I didn't 100% understand what was going on, I knew that it was something I liked and wished I was a part of, even if some of the imagery came across as scary and mythical. I liked this mysterious new Madonna with a leather mask and weird hair and... No eyebrows, gold-capped teeth, aggressive attitude, hitchhiking naked, smoking cigarettes, kissing old men, wearing leather. I mean, you name it. Um, (laughs) My parents got me a few erotica posters which hung above my bed and in front of my bed. And those photos gave me many hours of encouragement during my um, self-exploration phase. Uh, I spent hours analyzing the photo with the jewels over her nipples and wondered how they stuck there. I wondered what it looked like underneath of them. And years later, years later, I was staring really closely at it and noticed that it was actually a bodysuit. <laughs> um, the photo of her bending over with sunglasses on and the leopard print uh, swimsuit always had me thinking she was trying to kiss me. And I liked it that way. My friends always asked me if I'd marry her if I could, and my reply was, yeah, but I'm way too young for her. Way too young. Little did I know she'd be dating men younger than I am now. Uh, Maybe I did have a chance. She appeared in my dreams often, sometimes as a seductress teaching me how to kiss and also about the importance of brushing my teeth, and sometimes as a friend, a teacher, a surrogate mother. My neighbor down the street, Ira, shared my love of this album. He's the one that told me that the song Where Life Begins was about oral sex. He'd say, think about it, man. Life begins in the pussy. She's talking about eating pussy. And he was right. That's what she meant. And that's what she meant. Yeah, sorry. She was right. And that's what she meant when she said a different way to kiss. Uh, I also joined Icon, the official Madonna fan club, after reading about it in the Erotica liner notes. My grandmother renewed my subscription every year up through college and until the last print issue ran. My fan club subscription started right before the girly show kicked off, and it was a constant source of happiness and frustration for me. Happiness because I loved reading her notes and seeing magazine covers from all around the world and getting updates on future projects seeing the girly show being announced and hoping it was going to come to my city. Spoiler alert, it didn't. 
and that glorious, glorious catalog known as Boy Toy by Mail. It was a source of frustration because it was only quarterly, never published in any sort of routine or scheduled way. I'd get off the bus from school every day running to my mailbox hoping that my icon package would be in there, only to be upset day after day, week after week, month after month until it finally arrived uh, months and months later. Overall, my erotica experience was about more than just the album, which is a perfect album, and I could talk for days about the songs, which taught me, you know, what it's like to lose a friend to AIDS, that having sex and being sex isn't dirty or bad. It can be fun. It also taught me that life is complicated and difficult and not perfect, and I think that was a great lesson to learn early in life and certainly not the last one that she would teach me. Has it really been 30 years since I first heard Madonna sing Justify My Love? And has 27 years gone by since I attended the Girly Show and bought the Erotica album? I've recently watched the Girly Show again for the first time since the winter of 1993. I was instantly taken back to one of the most transformative times of my life. Back then, I was in my first year of undergraduate study and the first time I was living independently on campus. I was 18 years old and reasonably new to dating, gender, sex, and sexuality. I had been raised by a conservative religious family and had found my way to appreciating Madonna and her music with my good friend since the age of five and MLVC podcast co-host Stefan Marechko. Thankfully, a bunch of my new college friends also loved the Queen of Pop, and we all dug deep into our non-existent savings to buy the cheapest available tickets to the girly show in Philadelphia. I can still remember the excitement and anticipation that I felt as I watched Madonna emerge from the stage floor wearing almost nothing besides a mask, whip, and knee-high platform boots. The skin, the flirtation, the seduction. She was so confident in her expression, fully embracing her feelings, her body, and desires. The beginning of the show featured a topless woman that slid down an enormous metal pole that seemed to extend into the heavens. Androgyny was everywhere and flowing amongst her dancers. They all had the same short, choppy haircuts, and there were multiple numbers when it appeared that everyone was just having a full-blown orgy. I took this experience with me, and little did I know that I would be applying lessons from the girly show to my life from then on. Specifically, during the following semester when I came out of the closet as a lesbian. When I realized that I was queer, I didn't want to hide it anymore. I wanted to carry my sexuality and myself with the confidence and self-assurance that Madonna demonstrated on stage. So cheers to Justify My Love, Erotica, and Madonna. Thank you for being a strong, visible, and supportive voice of sexual expression and self-acceptance. I love hearing everyone's stories. Make sure to check out Donald's special Madonna-themed t-shirt that he created. Go to cottonbureau.com, just as it's spelled, and search for Donald Eli's Secret Garden. It's a really cool t-shirt. I saw it today, and I'm thinking of a couple people that I know that need to have it. Um, mm -hmm. I just have to decide whether it's going to be in white or pink. Speaking of Secret Garden, poet Ben Klein shares some words with us about that very song. Where and what is Madonna's Secret Garden? Secret Garden, the gorgeous, jazzy, freewheeling final track of Madonna's once underrated 1992 opus erotica, 
was the first time I heard and read in the liner notes something loose and intriguing and truly poetic from Madonna's typically structured approach to lyrics, ostensibly understood as Madonna having an identity crisis, maybe a return to Saturn a few years later than usual. Critics and fans had lots of theories. Maybe the song was about her lady parts. Maybe it was about her hair falling out from too much peroxide. I know that was my then 10-year-old sister's theory. Some people thought it was about an unborn child. Was it Warren's? Was it Jose Canseco's? And then some people thought, particularly critics, that it was about her outsized persona surrounding the real Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. But mostly I understood it as poetry, as Madonna looking back, looking ahead. She was going to confession, and we were the priest. So Secret Garden opens with that nimble piano and the plucky bass, and we hear her lyrics express self-doubt, self-deprecating humor, a fresh sincerity where she's normally quite arch. Um, we hear the influence of several writers that she had cited as inspiration through her career, like Anne Sexton, Langston Hughes, Mary Oliver. And the rapidly spoken verses sort of careen through different line length and rhyme and repurposed cliches that abandon Madonna's usual earworm sing-song I am's. She keeps her rhymes, but even those dodge a clear pattern, and her delivery conflicts, actually, with the lineation of the lyrics printed in the booklet. But in between the verses, Madonna reminds us of her ability to grab us with the simplest phrasing in the chorus, the beautiful languid chorus in which her voice glides high until the piano descends into that sadness that her voice matches with the word scorn. And the lyrics, full of cliches, the hall of fame of cliches, torn petals, hardened hearts, rose thorns, scorned lovers, but she elevates them through her delivery and that clever ascension of the melody. And as the song progresses, Madonna shares her thoughts, but she pivots to dodge them, to really analyze what she's thinking about. She makes a skillful use of some repeated phrases, especially, I still believe, demonstrating her usual surety. And she allows the song to end on doubt. Somewhere in fountain blue lies my secret garden. I remember having to look up that Fountain Blue was a palace, well, also a commune. Was Madonna thinking about giving it all up to become a nun um, outside of Paris? But it was also a hotel in Miami Beach, so maybe the song was the emotional aftermath of a hotel hookup? In the end, the narrative stayed a mystery, but the words are what grabbed me and kept me there, and I realized that Madonna really was the kind of songwriter she told us she could be, but we hadn't seen up until that point. And we're left to wonder and parse what she tells us, the ripe images and the contradictions together, to wonder if we've ever known Madonna and if we ever really will. Tell me about Bad Girl. Okay. Tell me about uh, the song. Is it about fidelity? Is the lady a hooker? Is it about a hooker? Yeah. No, it's about a girl who's in a relationship um, that's no longer working, but she really cares for the person and she's having a hard time saying goodbye and she's unhappy with her situation. And so here she is getting drunk, smoking too many cigarettes, hanging out with someone that she doesn't really care about because she's trying to distract herself from the reality that she's in a relationship she needs to come to terms with. And it's just basically, she's not happy with her present situation and she doesn't know how to end it. 
Something's missing and I don't know why Always feel the need to hide My feelings from you Is it me or you that I'm afraid of? Tell myself, I'll show you what I'm made of Can't bring myself to let you go Wanna cause you any pain But I love you just the same And you'll always be my baby In my heart I know we've come apart And I don't know where to start What can I do? I don't wanna feel blue Bad girl, drunk by six Kissing someone else's lips Smoke too many cigarettes today Not happy when I act this way Bad girl, drunk by six Kissing some kind stranger's lips Smoke too many cigarettes today not happy, not happy Something's happened and I can't go back Fall apart every time you hand your heart out to me What happens now? I know I don't deserve you Wonder how I'm ever gonna hurt you can't bring myself to let you go I don't want to cause you any pain But I love you just the same And you'll always be my baby In my heart I know We've come apart And I don't know where to start What can I do? I don't wanna feel blue Bad girl, drunk by six Kissing someone else's lips Smoke too many cigarettes today I'm not happy when I act this way Bad girl, drunk by six, kissing some kind stranger's lips. Smoke too many cigarettes today. Not happy, not happy this way. I'm not happy this way. cigarettes that girl drunk by six kissing some kind strangers lips am i drunk smoke too is this cigarettes love? today are we i'm not happy when ever i gonna act be this happy? way not, not happy. happy okay so tony i'm we're almost at the end of the episode, and I, I feel like you've really shortchanged yourself. Normally, you have like tons and tons of facts. Where are all the erotica facts? I want to. I want some more facts, Tony. 
Okay, here they come. And you know how long-winded I can get, okay, so thank you. hold on, I hold on I appreciate tight, it. Okay? I've got some hot tea I'm going <laughs> to sip while you, while you speak. Okay, so, you know, back to Shep Pettibone and Madonna, because, you know, I had not read the Erotica Diaries in a long time. These were published in Icon, which is the Madonna fan club fanzine, which is, you know, still around, hopefully. Um, and, th- yeah, this is from a 1992 issue. So uh, Shep wrote you know, diary entries during the recording of the album, and there was a lot of interesting information. You know, some of it I told you guys earlier. But, yeah, this is cool. Uh, He went to, so, you know, they were recording, they started recording in October of 1991, and then he went to Christmas Vacation in Jamaica. And I guess he was inspired by the reggae vibe because as soon as he came back, they, um, you know, played a demo of uh, Why Is It So Hard for Madonna, and it was as expected, you know, inspired by the Jamaican holiday. And Madonna immediately wrote the lyrics and the song was recorded literally in two days. So after it was done, they decided that they needed, you know, some local flavor. So they wanted to get a male Jamaican rapper, you know, to do some some voiceovers. And uh, they found this guy who worked at a record store in Harlem. And he came in and he laid down the tracks and, you know, he drank some rum and Madonna loved it. But then they didn't use it. Hmm. And if you ever wonder why um, there is a Jamaican man appearing in the middle of um, Why'd You Do It? it? Did You Do It? it? Um, That's why. That's where it ended up. So I've always At least he got paid. Exactly. I've always wanted to know what that was all about. So at least now we know. And also, you know, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Did You Do It was actually uh, the engineers and the producers that were working on waiting. This was Andre Betz's team. And they were just messing around in the studio and Madonna dared them to, to do a song. And they did. And they didn't realize until after the album came out that she had put it in there. So... Well, they're thanking their stars for the residuals. Exactly. You know, you know, a lot of Madonna fans scratch their heads, and a lot of people have asked me, like, why is did you do it on Erotica? And now I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, fifteen songs were fifteen songs were recorded during the Erotica uh, recording sessions. This used to be my playground was one of those, Uh, and they finished recording in March 1992. So. From March until September, they were mixing and remixing. And, um, you know, Madonna was very specific about what needed to go where. And, you know, as as any of us fans know, I mean, you know, she's a perfectionist. So mm-hmm. everything had to sound perfect. Um, they went back and did overdubs in June for the main songs, Erotica Words, Why Is It So Hard, A Thief of Hearts. Goodbye to Innocence, which I'll get to in a minute, and Deeper and Deeper. So they transferred everything. And the tracks were being produced, but they were um, re-recording overdubs for Goodbye to Innocence, and it just didn't sound right. Madonna couldn't pronounce anonymity, (laughs) for one. And it just, like, it was, like, recorded in pieces, and it didn't come together. So... While they were, um, I guess, working, the, resetting the instruments or whatever, Madonna started singing in a like a lounge lizard voice fever. And then Shep started playing instrumentation at the same time. And it was a joke that became track number two in Erotica. 
I like the remix of that song. I love the remix with Nikki's mm-hmm. booming so vocals. good. I mean, that's that's the one that I go to. But you know, I loved hearing Fever because there had been kind of like a fever resurgence in the late 80s, early 90s. Everyone was kind of doing it to be funny. And Madonna made it sexy. Mm-hmm. And I loved it, you know. Another good story is um, they wanted to do, a, you know, like a CD single to put in the sex book. So, you know, Madonna was basically just going to do a very um, stripped-down version of erotica with a bass line and her voice and then the Middle Eastern sounds. But... Shep had seen the book by then, and he's like, no, we could do better than this. So he told her, you've got all these great stories that you wrote, so why don't you just incorporate them and just make it a real remix, you know? So that's what happened, and uh, that's where she came up with the name, you know, that's where she used the name Dita for the first time. Um, Then they went back, and they added it to the original erotica song. So um, that's how that started, because... That's how the book came into the album, which I never knew. I always thought it was the the other way around. The other way around, you Mm -hmm. know. So there you go, and um, and you know that. I mean, I I'm sure a lot more happened, but I mean, as far as I know, that that was it. I mean, you know, I I, it was a lot of toil and trouble and a lot of going back and forth. Uh, You know, Madonna wanted this to be perfect, and thank God because. This album is pretty close to perfection, I think. You know, I love every single song, even Did You Do It, especially <laughs> in this life, which I know a lot of people skip over, but I still think that packs a punch, you know, and it's a very important song in Madonna's career. I just wish it hadn't been overshadowed by the sex and slut shaming that this album and book and film kind of brought out in the world. You know? Yeah, the, I think the her image and the the sexuality that she was pushing forth with the era it totally overshadowed it but now it's such an iconic album of hers yeah you know it's i mean i I, it's one of the madonna albums i will listen to incessantly you know like i I, I will always go back to the erotica album and yeah it's like it's a no skip type of album you know like you can just keep it on and dance and sing get up to your thing listen to it you know i mean there's so many great tracks i mean so many classics are on that that even mm-hmm. even the deep cuts that didn't get to be singles are still amazing, you know. Oh, and there's so much great stuff behind the scenes too. Uh, as far as behind the scenes, I mean, um, remixes that came from the singles. Uh, the William Orbit remix of Erotica is a complete and utter masterpiece. I can't get enough of that. Uh, the deeper and deeper. Um, I don't know the name of the remix, but it's the one. I think it's Shep's original remix, and that is what the song would sound like if Shep had it his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took out the guitar and he, you know, put in this, you know, house piano and the song just soars. It's it's gorgeous. And there's also a David Morales mix, which is really, really good. And that's the version that was used in the Girly show. Um, you know. The disco really. section. Yeah, the disco section. And then uh, there's, you know, there was Fever and Bad Girl were released as a double single. But the remixes for Fever were amazing. Those, those, the, the one we just talked about, um, I think it was called the Merck Miami mix. Mm. I should know this. It's, memory, it's always but, the video remix for me. Yeah. And Bye Bye Baby was released as a single in the UK. I'm not sure why it wasn't released as a single here, but I think it was released as a single because it was promoting the girly show. 
Yeah, that makes out. sense. Well, I mean, we got that yeah. fantastic VMAs performance, and we, you yep. know, we got Madonna on SNL doing Fever, right. Fever and Bad Girl. You know, I mean, it was, and, uh, it was a great time to be a Madonna fan. Yeah, and then the final single was Rain, which had a gorgeous, beautiful video, which didn't even look like it came from erotica, but that's okay because it was gorgeous. And there were there was also a really good remix of Waiting on the rain cd single with everlast who is a who is a rapper who's from house of pain Mm -hmm. and there was also this nine minute house dub of uh goodbye to innocence which was renamed up down suite which is heaven on earth i Mm -hmm. love it so much yes and eventually later on uh goodbye to innocence would come out on a compilation album put out by sire records and you know it's it's got the erotica vibe but uh, I don't think the song is great, but it's a good try, wouldn't you say? I like Goodbye to Innocence. I think it has a nice, it's a nice little extra. It would it would have been on the deluxe version of Erotica had we had, yeah. you know, like iTunes or streaming services. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and the this is what I think is hilarious. Um, Erotica is considered a flop, but... It sold millions and millions of albums. It's still continuing continuing to sell. So um, it wasn't a critical failure, and it wasn't a financial failure. It was just a cultural failure, I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah, you know? people, people were being a little too prudish. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's Madonna's legacy. You know, I mean, she had to... She had to kind of like scale back to get back into the public graces. And, you know, part of me didn't want her to do that. I wanted her to stay dirty, underground, grungy. (laughs) Um, You know. She put her clothes on after Erotica. Yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden we have something to remember. So, you know, Madonna keeps reinventing herself and God love her because I can't wait to see what's next. Agreed. Can I ask you about you now for a second? Are you a cynical lady, are you a campaigning lady, or are you just a sweet little old lady who's misunderstood? I'm cynical, I'm I'm a revolutionary, I'm sweet, um, I'm all of those things. That sounds very human, and you're evading the question wonderfully. But I am all of those things. I'm not just, no one person is just one thing. The question I'm asking really is, is the image that we see you? The image is what, I mean, I project lots of different things. I talk about lots of different ideas, but the public only wants to see me in one way. And, and that is, is of, of a very calculating, power-hungry um, manipulator. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, that's the way it is. So what's the real Madonna? The real me is a person that any, if anybody wants to know me, you're going to have to spend a lot of time with me and get to be my friend because the rest of the world that claims to know me mm. it doesn't know me. I don't know you from having a conversation. Right. And you, you can know certain things about me. You can know certain points of view. But, but you, you, couldn't, you couldn't know me. You couldn't know the sum total of me. me and, and it takes one person years to know Absolutely. somebody. So the, How do I get real, your trust? Over well, time, first of all, time. Time yeah. is one thing, right. you know. And the other is, is just being sharing honesty, you know, being open and communicating, and, and that's the way it starts. That's the way it starts for anybody. Well, Tony, I think that's, I think that's a wrap on season two. Wait, no, 
lightning round? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no lightning round. All right. Well, it's it's been a year. I mean, I don't even know what to say, but what I will say is that um for an unconventional year and um you know, this kind of like we just did not have well, basically what I'm trying to say is that everything that we planned got turned on its head and that's why we started doing the podcast every week and it brought us so much closer to you guys. I can consider all of you guys my friends and it makes me feel great. I love to put this out and um, and I just love to have this space for all of us to uh, hang out in. So let's do it again in 2021 and let's do it big okay yeah i know it's bittersweet that we're ending i it's i'm sad that we're wrapping up the season but i'm also really happy and proud that we podcasted all year and uh, made it through 2020 and uh, you know on a personal note i'm always thankful that we had the podcast because it has been a source of focus and distraction for me from the mm-hmm. reality of the world that we currently yep. live in and you know, various lockdowns and being trapped indoors or being too scared to go outside and uh, knowing that I had a couple, you know, an hour or so every week that I could talk about Madonna and sort of like (laughs) escape reality, which has always been really great. And we have such a great community of listeners out there. Thank you for listening, tuning in every single week, um, following our journey or for the people who discover us and binge us. Yeah. After after like a week. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, It's been wonderful. Um, And listen, guys, really, if there's anything that you want to talk about or hear on the show or something that you think we got wrong or maybe got right, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys and we love suggestions because, you know, that's going to make us better, you know? Mm. I'm sure that they will, Tony. (laughs) I love our vocal fans. So feel free to drop us a line. We love hearing from all of you. You know, I go on all night about it. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MLVC Podcast, on the web at MLVCPodcast.com. And we are streaming wherever you listen to podcasts. So please share us with your friends and fellow Madonna fans. And we will be back with season three in early 2021. So stay tuned because, believe it or not, there are already some great guests lined up. And of course... Some Madonna chats coming your way and you won't want to miss out. So until then, bye-bye, baby. Have you met the mistress? She's impossible to forget. Commanding your attention, working up a sweat. There's no need to be frightened. She'll bring you to your knees. Just watch yourself around her. She likes to be a tease. Mistress Dita. Mistress Dita. Mistress Dita. Mistress Dita. Dita wants it her way, and she will cast a spell. She's the one in charge tonight, in case you couldn't tell. The mistress of the evening, a lady of the night. A thief of hearts gone stealing, you better hold on tight. Mistress Dita. Mistress Dita. Mistress Dita. Mistress Dita.